Hello and welcome to Embolden, a podcast for the modern spiritual woman seeking to uplevel their life and be beautifully bold. I'm your host, Jess Carreri, spiritual businesswoman, intuitive mentor, oracle reader, and modern mystic. I am here to bring you conversations to embolden you to embody your highest self, create the life of your dreams, and come home to your divinity. If you are ready for some juicy downloads, inspiring conversations, and aha moments, then you are in the right place. Thank you so much for being with me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello. I am so excited to be back. You guys, Embolden the podcast had a bit of a rocky start for the year. I took a little bit of time off over the Christmas period and New Year period and then a little bit more time after um, as I was getting Get Your Shift Together, my six-week program up and running. And then last week and pretty much the week before that as well, I was down and out for the count with Miss Rona, which after two years finally got me. I'm feeling so much better now and actually really grateful for the the rest that came with it. But I was in absolutely no state to be recording podcasts or doing anything other than being horizontal and watching Netflix for that matter. This is one of my favorite conversations that I've ever had with the beautiful Ella Cottrell. I actually went to the same high school with Ella and it was just such a beautiful, beautiful surprise to see her doing this line of work and to connect with her and have this conversation. It honestly opened my eyes and my heart so much. And I feel like this is just the beginning of this conversation. If you're interested in understanding more about how to shift from productivity-driven lifestyle to pleasure and body-based living, then this episode is going to be one for you. Ella, with a focus on anti-capitalist and feminist principles, works with people who are wanting to connect more deeply with their feminine energy and body. Through a blend of psychological practice and feminine embodiment coaching, Ella guides her clients into their embodied wisdom and intuitive instincts. We talk about what is embodiment, why it's important, anti-capitalism, and we touch on feminist principles and so much more. We go deep into this episode and it is a bit of a long one, but I promise you it is worth it. I also want to note that there was a little bit of sound issues. So for the first bit of the podcast, the beautiful Ella sounds a little bit muffled, but it does get better throughout the episode and it is absolutely no hindrance to the beautiful wisdom that this woman is sharing within this episode. I am so excited to hear how you guys find this conversation. Honestly, I can't speak highly enough of the beautiful Ella and of the incredible conversation that this had. So without further ado, without continuing to ramble, I am going to go and let you enjoy today's episode.
Well, hello, my love. Welcome to the Hi. podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to have you and that you have taken the time to be with me today. I don't think I've been this excited about a conversation on the podcast because Ooh. the topic <laughs> that I predominantly want to speak to you about is something that I want to know so much about. So I'm kind of like selfishly indulging <laughs> in your wisdom today, but I also know that my audience are going to benefit from it so much. Um, so yeah, I'm so excited, but first of all, me too. Thank you. You're so welcome. First of all, I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey, tell the people who mm-hmm. you are, what it is you do, how it is you mm-hmm. came to do it. Yes. Amazing. So as I said, it was kind of organic in a way, but Basically, since I was very young, I have loved helping people, very cliche. Um, And when I was about 15, I was like, yes, I'm going to do psychology, clinical psychology. So if you know anything about psychology, uh, it's very, very hard to get into in Queensland, Australia. Um, So my whole life was like working very hard to get into that. And it's a four-year degree, always tried to get A's, sevens, was really trying to work really hard. Um, and the academic lifestyle, if you're not aware, I'll tell you, is very um, disembodied, very mind over body, very like get good grades, dissociate from your body, drink lots of coffee, hustle and grind in the name of, you know, getting where you want to go. So that was very much my lifestyle and um, pretty much up until a couple of years ago. Um, so I went and did psychology and in my fourth year of honors, I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. I was like (laughs) burnt out so badly. I would get to my laptop and go to write my thesis and just be bawling my eyes out because I just couldn't do it anymore. Like 14 hour days, not sleeping, insomniac. It was really, really bad. Um, but I had that moment and I was like, cool, I don't want to do this, but classic perfectionist. I was like, but I'm still going to get all the sevens and go really hard. So um, I left my uni degree with a Bachelor of Psychology, but incredibly burnt out, really unwell and an insomniac. Basically, I wasn't sleeping. So I knew I didn't want to do psychology, but I wasn't sure what it was. And um, a couple of years ago, I knew that I wanted to do coaching and I didn't know how it would look like or what specific coaching I wanted to do. And it was all very guided. I was on a Zoom call for work once and I was very bored. So I just started typing into Google like feminine coaching or feminine embodiment. And I stumbled across uh, Jenna Ward's feminine embodiment certification. And it was very kismet from there. My life just changed. You know, I kind of learned about the body, the wisdom of the body, uh, how capitalism and internalized capitalism basically is entrenched within our lifestyle. And um, yeah, started to lean in started to lean out of the masculine economy and into a feminine economy and like really, really did the deep dive of shifting my belief systems around how I need to show up in work and the kind of systems that are around us today. And yeah, it's been incredible. I'm so, so grateful that I was guided here because if I wasn't, I would, I'd probably be in a psychiatric ward from just being completely burnt out, to be honest. So here I am today, I guess, and the work is evolving and growing as I do. But um, yeah, so I guess I'm a certified embodiment practitioner. I use feminist principles and any capitalist principles to guide uh, my work and also energetics and psychology. So it's a bit of a blend. Beautiful. That's an incredible story. And I feel like (laughs) 
that's such a like the way you described academic culture hit Mm -hmm. so close to home for me (laughs) I definitely didn't do a degree that was as I would say strenuous as Mm. a psychology degree but I think anyone who's undertaken any kind of academic undertaking Mm. knows that Mm -hmm. it's definitely the culture I feel no matter what you're studying studying there's this culture of like kind of that it's like hustle culture in a sense yeah you know of like you don't sleep you know don't Mm -hmm. have time to yourself everyone's felt that you know out at a party or out doing something Mm -hmm. and had that moment of like I should be doing an assignment or oh my god there's that quiz or something and I think it's so interesting that duality that you experienced of being so disembodied and in such Mm. a hyper-masculine sort of state and then to now be on the complete opposite. And, and I don't want to say complete opposite because I'm sure there's that balance and integration, right. Mm. But mm. how that, that really helps to guide you to where you are. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. yeah hugely guided. Definitely. And I think also back on the academic lens, it's hugely glorified in that culture as well. Like it's not that everyone's hating it. It's like, Oh, I only slept two hours last night and I'm on yes. like this cup of coffee. And it's just <laughs> kind of like, weird yeah outdoing of each other how just exhausted are you it's so bizarre it's so bizarre and I think that seeps into our culture in general like outside of even Mm. just academic like it's glorified you know that hustle mentality and this leads into the topic I want to talk to you about the most which is internalized Mm. capitalism and from my understanding and from the posts that you've shared about it that have really inspired me and really giving mm. me a new lens to look at this kind of mentality from is talking about how it's glorified that like sleep when you're dead, like, mm-hmm. you know, don't, <laughs> there was one post she put up about someone who recommended like just stop watching Netflix altogether. <laughs> yeah. And if you watch Netflix, that's your fault that you're you lazy. haven't achieved your dreams because you're, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think that it ties in so beautifully to that idea mm because it's present not just within I think the academic world it's everywhere yeah so could you share with us a little bit about what internalized capitalism is and how that Mm -hmm. manifests in our life and just why do we have it and where do we go from here Yes, 100%. So yeah, when I first heard internalized capitalism, it was a bit like you, like all the hairs on my body stood up. And I had this like light bulb moment where I was like, that feels really important. I need to go back and look into this. And it really helped me understand why my life had looked the way it had up until that moment. And it was, it was really liberating, actually. So I'll get into it. And um, we can unravel it as we go. So I think before we talk about internalized capitalism, it's good to understand capitalism in general just to have that bit of a foundation first so capitalism as most people will know it is an economic system which just basically allows for private ownership and distribution of resources very boring but it's not about how that profit is produced but like who are benefiting from the profit so with capitalism we have a class system right and usually we need a lower class in order for capitalism to exist And this is how race theory kind of gets brought into it. But usually that lower class is some black and brown folks who are doing the labor and white folks who are benefiting from that labor. So it's inherently an unequal system. But basically it's a masculine economy. So Jennifer Ambrose talks about it and 
And she says it's like the prioritization of things like linear growth, constant growing. It's about production and profit over the people that are producing that for you. It's about speed and efficiency, constant speed, KPIs, inequitable distribution of wealth. So it's not about having equal slices of the pie. It's that most of the pie goes to the 1% wow. um, and the perpetual consumption and destruction of earth and the planet, right? So it's all about like basically production and profit above everyone else, mm. all the bodies, all the world, all the nature. So that's what capitalism as a system is important to understand. So when we think of capitalism, we think you have to show up every day, produce at the same rate and the same speed as you would regardless of if you're bleeding, as if you've had like a grieving or a life process and you have to kind of just pretend that that doesn't alter your productivity. So it doesn't matter what's going on. You show up every day and produce the same rate for 24 seven. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, (laughs) it's hugely disembodied basically. It's fascinating. I've never heard it broken down in that way because of course, mm -hmm. I think we all have a vague understanding of capitalism as an economic system and I'm sure we Mm. all heard about it briefly in school and we understand Mm -hmm. that it's the system that we're in but I never really understood and it just hit me in my like Mm -hmm. stomach when you were saying power and profit over everything else Mm -hmm. and when you look I guess at the state of the world it's easy to see that that has been the system predominantly that yeah. has been operating. Wow. Mm. Thank you so much mm. for sharing that. You're welcome. You're welcome. I had the same reaction too. It was like, whoa, like, yeah. how did we miss this? <laughs> I guess because it's so normalized in our society, right? And we've been brought up to think that capitalism is the normal state. You know, mm. this is how it should be. This is the natural order, which is not correct. Like transhistorically, we haven't actually seen a capitalist system. I think, don't quote me on this until it was like, the medieval times where you had that class structure of like the kings and queens and they needed the little serfs to do all their their work for them so it's not actually natural it's just normal which kind of leads into the internalized capitalism when you live and breathe this way of life um where basically your body is a vehicle for your brain that becomes very internalized not only in the way that we work but in the way that we live in the way that we act and behave with everything around us so a very nice description of internalized capitalism is basically your self-worth is directly linked to your productivity. Um, and when I heard that, I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like brain melt because that's how I had felt my whole life. Like Absolutely. I'm not worthy unless I'm producing. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like I speak about this so much because and I just don't think I ever had the language for mm. like, what it actually was. I've known for a long time, like this, the same thing that you were saying of like feeling Mm -hmm. like self-worth is tied to productivity. And I've been kind of unraveling that in my own Mm -hmm. journey over the last year or so. And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting because the more I talk about it, the more I realize that it's something that we're all feeling Mm -hmm. and especially women. I have a lot of conversations with women about this of Mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, I didn't get anything done today. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a piece of, you know, trash. There was a trend going around of like people making reels. And there was that sound. It was like, thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. <laughs> whatever. And then just showing themselves like sitting on the couch, reading a book or like 
enjoying your life. And I'm like, that's not, you're enjoying, you're just resting. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think it's just like to have the language and the foundational understanding of why we feel that way, Mm. because it's not just a conditioning from our parents or from Mm. school. It's like a, (laughs) it's a universal system that's in place at at the present moment and has been for years Mm -hmm. and years and years and I think it gives more I don't know I just feel like understanding it at this level yeah is so helpful to knowing how to move forward and heal from that exactly like education is so important so when you hear that it's kind of like okay now I don't have to feel guilty or shameful like that was my experience of internalized capitalism was very much like and it can look different for everyone and it's important to note that like capitalism will affect people of different minority groups differently like like race and gender uh, low income, high income, it's all going to impact you differently. But for me, it was very like, I felt like I had to prove to myself that I was allowed to sleep. Like it got so bad. Like I swapped, I love reading fiction books and I stopped reading it because it wasn't productive. So I swapped the self-help books. The only thing that I listened to in the car was like, uh, self-help podcast spiritual podcast I had to be constantly learning filling out every hour of my day like Mm -hmm. I had to be achieving some kind of goal um everything had to be in line with my productivity metrics Mm -hmm. and it got to the point where I said like I wasn't sleeping because my nervous system was so hyper aroused that there was no time for rest. Like I didn't even go to the gym. I stopped going to the gym because I was like, I have a business to build. Like I'm not going to the gym. I want to earn money. Like I want to be free from this system, but like was in turn kind of like circling the system, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's, it's important, I think, to really do an inventory of how internalized capitalism is showing up in your life and having a look and giving yourself permission to stop feeling guilty and stop feeling shameful. You're not a bad person. You're a victim of a system that is, yeah, trying to squash you down. You know, you're a vehicle for their production. And the reason that this isn't in school is because they don't want you to understand that you're a victim of a system that they have in place. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild. mm, When you said mm. swapping out fiction books for self-help oh that hit me because I'm the same I love reading in all capacities like I do love a self-help book I love a biography I love you know a novel but Mm -hmm. I for the past like I would say like since 2020 until maybe like the last few months I exclusively Mm -hmm. read self-help you know educational books Mm-hmm. And it's really like I didn't consciously understand mm. that wasn't nourishing to my body. Yeah. I was like, thought I was doing the right thing. I was like, I'm utilizing the time that I have yep. <laughs> to achieve my goals. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to, and I did the same thing listen to podcasts while I was making breakfast, listen to podcasts yep. in the car. And <laughs> like every pocket of time was filled with something useful Mm. even if I was cleaning my room I had to have something educational on god forbid it was like a tv show that was just educational (laughs) or you know just being present with my activities yeah Yeah. and this actually came to mind when 
you shared something on your Instagram about that, about having to fill, having to feel the need to fill your time Mm. with productive, like tasks. Mm. And I immediately just was like, oh shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I still do that. Even though I'm preaching, like go slow, like just chill that whole kind Mm. of thing. I still find myself being like, how can I make this the most productive use of my time? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's great. And it's, it's, it's a, I would say subconscious or unconscious mm. even mm. habit. It's just a, that subconscious brain is like, that's how we've been, the system we've been brought up in. And that's, exactly. I guess, second nature. So mm. I think it's beautiful that you encourage people to take inventory on how it's manifesting mm. in the individual's life, because I know so many people will have so many very different examples of how, and I loved that you said, and you brought attention to the fact that different groups of people Mm. will also have different experiences. I think that's so important. And I don't think that's talked about enough, especially in the coaching space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Different (laughs) Like there are very real, yes, we're all one. I believe, yeah. like, I believe we're yeah. all one. Amazing, beautiful. <laughs> but we can't neglect the fact that there are very real groups and minorities of people who have had very different lived experiences from us. Yeah. Purely because of where they grew up, you know, their skin color, culture, mm-hmm. country they were born, like economic, like socioeconomic group. Mm. so like sexual orientation all that sort of stuff and you talk about this a lot on your social media I feel like I'm plugging your Instagram this whole thing don't (laughs) follow Ella (laughs) if you don't follow Ella what are you doing please do but like you talk about that a lot that you can't discredit the role that race Mm. plays and Mm. not even just race but different forms of lived experiences how they affect how we experience I guess this internalized capitalism especially because you said before the fact that you know black and brown people typically have been the very bottom of that system Mm. to allow Mm. for the white you know success I guess thriving community (laughs) community. yeah and I think that Mm. that's so important and I I really yeah I really love that you speak into that because it's something that you know even I will say I don't know enough about because there's yeah. an, I don't think there's enough resources mm, out there. I agree. Of people mm. just blatantly speaking about it rather than skirting and sugarcoating and using yeah. the whole girl one, you know, no experience <laughs> stops you from achieving your dreams. I'm like, what about that, you know, Indigenous child who grew up with, you know, yeah. this circumstance? You can't say that they've had the same opportunities as me, mm. a white Australian female who had mm. a family who could afford school and food. You yeah. Know? Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Anyway, that um, was I, my tangent. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I wanted to pick a few things out of that. I think it's important as well to make the distinction between like um, not knowing what is right and also just willful ignorance. And I have 
beef with a portion of the spiritual community who are just willfully ignorant because I feel like, as you said, it's not discussed enough and oftentimes ignored. Like these things are really important to understand. Like that's why something that I want to talk like in my coaching package, I'm going to be like, how do we look at this system? How does this impact my ability to feel worthy and to feel like I can navigate the world in this really confident way? Because a lot of the time people blame themselves for things. Like I've worked with so many people. One, as an example, this woman was like, I don't feel sensual and like with my partner and I don't feel like I can experience intimacy. And when I got down to it, it was like, well, she's working like she has two kids. She's making all the food. She's doing all the household labor. Um, she's studying and working. And then at the end of the day, you expect yourself to have room for this like sensual aliveness. Mm-hmm. Like, but babe, it's not your fault. <laughs> like you're living in a system like that's squashing you and your sensuality. That's why mm-hmm. that you don't feel intimate. And that's why that you feel like you can't come into contact with that. So that's why I say like, it's just important to understand that these systems are oftentimes in place. Um, but it's okay if you don't know, and it's okay if you don't understand, like I have the privilege of having a very, you know, long, extensive list of things that I've studied and academic, um, bachelor degrees and things like that. So I know this stuff and that's why I want to bring it to people's attention, but it's also not your fault if you don't know, because as I said, Mm. people aren't teaching it because, you know, why would you, let's just keep focusing on profit. Let's keep focusing on building um, that, you know, this system is working for me. So why would I change anything? So I think it's really important just to understand, like, it's okay if you don't know, it's not your fault. It's about like learning and growing and making mistakes and evolving as we go. So I think I just wanted to put that caveat in there that, you know, it's okay. And (laughs) I appreciate that so much. And it's so interesting what you just said of this, if the system is designed to work for you, Mm. like that, Mm. I just feel like that's why you know, we, as I'm going to say white women throughout history have Mm -hmm. a lot to answer for, I guess, in terms (laughs) of the fact that we've been like, yeah, the system hasn't been great because, you know, women still have Mm. universally different, you know, Mm -hmm. struggles. And I'd love to talk to you about feminist theories. This is a beautiful segue. Beautiful. But at the same time, like we as white women are still sitting pretty in a system in that is (laughs) supporting us and I think that you know I just think it's so important because it's also not the role of the people Mm. who are or have been you know oppressed Mm. to educate the Mm. information's out there Mm. like you say like there's resources out there there's information Mm. out there there's just Mm. not enough voices I think that are being championed. I'm sure there's hundreds and thousands of people on Instagram speaking about this, but yeah. I don't think there's the engagement there of people going, yes, let's talk about it. It's, I feel mm. like it's very shied away from. So I'm just yeah. so grateful for you for bringing light to this. And I think mm. I love that you said you have beef with the spiritual community. <laughs> I think that's such a beautiful way to put it of like, yeah, I, I feel that because, you mm. know, I think spiritual bypassing is a problem in and of itself, but I think we think of it typically to do with bypassing emotions. Mm. And I feel that this is just such a bigger topic than just bypassing Mm. when you're sad. It's like, no, you're bypassing someone's complete lived experience potentially. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely a lot there to like, 
a lot of spiritual people have a lot to explain for I find sometimes and yeah just kind of pushing like veganism is how you be spiritual and this that's how you do this and mm. I've fallen victim I think a lot of times in my history to things like you know I'm not I'm not, I don't want to say I'm a saint because I know all this stuff because I've fallen victim to it previously like we all have mm. the same hours in a day like manifesting oh god and, yeah <laughs> yeah and like I was a preachy vegan that was like everyone can be vegan and I wasn't thinking about low-income earners or even you know different cultural heritage that have mm. existed off raw fish for centuries like we you know we live and we learn and we do better but yeah I think a lot of people do push these harmful narratives sometimes and you kind of have to be like I don't know about that like can we just like discuss that a little bit more but um in regards to resources I have a lot of really great resources that I can send to you to put in the um show notes if you want there's a lot of really powerful women of color spreading some really great messages so that would um, be beautiful if people are interested yeah yeah thank you 100% because I think it's important because I started to take inventory of even my social media who I was following Mm. And it was shocking to me to see how mm-hmm. few people of color mm. I was following mm. because that I think is dangerous because you're following a very specific, you're only hearing a certain voice. Yeah. And the lens of which you're viewing the world is being informed by a very specific, you know, and a very small group of people. Mm. And when I started to consciously be aware of that and seek people with different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different even opinions. Like I followed people who triggered everything within me that I was like, oh, (laughs) that scares me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because I think it's important to have different perspectives and not just have self-confirming, you know, I not bias because I think that's what confirming bias. Yeah, yeah, I think that yeah. that's the right a echo chamber. Yeah, you're yeah, in an echo chamber where everyone's telling you the same thing that you believe in, and nothing's getting challenged. Yeah, exactly. So that would be beautiful, and I'd love to share those resources because I think that's super important. One hundred percent. I would love to talk to you about how feminist theories and principles come into your coaching. We talked yeah. about, you know capitalist system and how it affects different minorities. And I think Mm -hmm. women and feminism is a very layered and charged topic, Mm. but I'd love to hear how you understand it, how it comes into your practice and essentially how it relates to embodiment, because I feel like it all comes back to embodiment, right? Yeah. 100%. Definitely. Yeah. So for me, um, when I was looking for courses, it was really important to have someone who understood feminist principles and to, who came from that lens. I think a lot of people run from the term feminism because they think of it as like people who are really angry or there's a lot of misandrous in mm-hmm. that community and so it spreads this hateful message. And I think that's definitely true at some points. But um, feminism is just about coming back to that understanding of like being at one with nature and earth and all bodies. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of feminist theories that are white feminist theories. So breaking down the glass ceiling is basically just, you know, let put a woman at the top of the pyramid, you know, like let's set out that white man and let's put a white woman at the top. And there we go. We have feminism. It's <laughs> Fixed. Like, well, <laughs> Solved. <laughs> like actually, no, that doesn't help anything. And not only are these women like put in this pyramid, but they're, it's a woman in it, like a man in a woman's body is what I like to say. Like yeah. they're still like perpetuating this kind of harmful narratives of capitalism and also patriarchy, working hard, hustle culture. And then where does that 
you know, intersection of race come in again, like they're still probably bottom of the pyramid. So I think for me, um, and Jennifer Ambrose is someone that I, I think I brought up earlier, but she's really fascinating. She said, you know, like, if not capitalism, because we know that conscious capitalism doesn't work because it's inequitable, what now? And she mm-hmm. proposes a feminine economy and it's one that's kind of, you know, in partnership with the land, the earth, all bodies, indigenous bodies, um, fair and equitable redistribution of resources. And, um, yeah, she has an amazing book. Sorry, my AirPods just died. I like that. <laughs> so, yeah, she proposes an amazing feminist economy, basically, and she has a really great book. And so I just think it's it's good to have a look and read through different proposals of how we should live and be and work. And that kind of brings me back to feminine embodiment where it's about, you know, not only mind but body as well. Feminine embodiment basically says it's work that allows you to be in present with and connect to the body. Mm. So it's really, it's powerful work. It's really vulnerable work. Um, And it's basically about a depth first and direction second model. So we go into the body. We're looking at the subconscious world that's kind of in there and kind of communing with not only our mind, but everything, our lived experiences. And it's all about kind of coming back to and being present with our lived experiences, but the bodies of everyone else. So when I work with someone, I'm working with their body and I'm understanding what they want and what they need and what, you know, what their goal is rather than from a strategic coaching of like, Hey, I have the framework for you and this will work for you because it worked Mm -hmm. for me. It's about saying like, what do you need? What are your barriers? How can we understand your lived experience from your viewpoint and help you to get to where you need to be in a way that's culturally sensitive and trauma informed as well. So it's, it's an ongoing work and it's about using principles of value that you align with but also that align safely with other people as well. Um, does that make sense? That makes so much sense and I loved that you brought in the fact that it's not just a framework of like one size fits all, like a recipe mm-hmm. of like here's the steps, do it. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we know that doesn't work because if it worked that way, I feel like everyone would be living super happy, successful, abundant (laughs) lives because there's so many people out there giving the framework, right, in air quotes. And I I just feel it's so beautiful to have that client-centric view of, like, it's not just what works for me. Like, let's work out what works for you while having it be informed by past Mm. trauma, culture, all that sort of thing. Makes Mm. so much sense. Would you share a little bit more about actually what embodiment is if people are kind of like a bit curious of like, okay, that's great, but what is that? How do we get there? (laughs) Because for me, I used to think embodiment was dancing consciously. Mm. Like I thought, I was like, oh, an embodiment practice, you're like consciously moving your body, which I know it can be that, but it's Mm. so much more. Yeah, totally. I completely relate because even when I signed up to my embodiment certification, I still was like, so what is, what is this? It's really vague and it's very nebulous and it's best explained by, you know, having a session, but I'll explain on a very practical level, like what Mm -hmm. it looks like. So for, as an example, you come to an embodiment coaching session and say you want to work on your fear of 
being seen and expressing your emotions. So maybe a strategy coach would sit down and give you a template for posting on Instagram and a schedule and they'd help you kind of set everything up for you. A feminine embodiment coach goes, okay, that's great. Um, Let's look at this. What's here? Why do you have that fear of expressing yourself? What's Mm -hmm. living in your body? And so we use somatic tools to help kind of understand. So maybe we'll start the session and we'll say, what do you feel in your body when you think about showing up and writing an Instagram post? And we'll start there and then we'll trace those sensations. And often what happens is I've had clients who are like, yeah, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm just like really embarrassed. And that's consciously what's going on for them. They're like, I don't want to be judged. Mm. And then they get into an embodiment session and then halfway through they start crying and they realize that it's rooted because there's this one memory that comes back and they were nine years old and people were making fun of them at the ballet at their ballet class for being too much and Mm -hmm. since then they haven't want to be seen as too much I'm getting goosebumps because it's such powerful work it's it really is really powerful and so we go through and we look at that and we follow those bodily sensations and see what's stored basically because we have that subconscious mind which stores everything and our conscious mind often will let go of things that are hard to remember or traumatic but your nervous system remembers everything your body remembers everything and so if you're given the correct cues and the correct directions you can kind of tap into those memories feel them be part of them witness them in a really safe and trauma-informed way and then you can let them go so in a way it's kind of like clearing a lot of stagnant energy we talk about getting into the flow a lot that's what that means like let's dive into everything that's knotted in your body we'll go in we'll untangle it and then you're kind of in a flow space now where you can go out and be like oh okay well I didn't want to post because of this reason and it's okay I'm safe I'm 25 I have a support system around me now let's go have an Instagram post and in my perspective that's a lot more helpful than being given a strategy and still not understanding why you have a fear around being seen so that's kind of a really practical um session based but also it's about I suppose as a way of life it's about putting the body first and the mind second so Mm -hmm. You talk a lot about intuition and wisdom. Our intuition lives in our body, right? We're stored Mm. in our body. That's where we receive that guidance. So if you have a body sensitivity that's turned right down because you're used to ignoring the need to go to the bathroom, you're used to ignoring, your, you know, you have to rest, but you just ignore it. You're used to hustling and pretending you can't hear that you need to eat because it's too busy and you just have to get everything done. Um, it's hard to hear the whispers. And so embodiment work is about turning up the dial so that the whispers become louder. You're becoming more in touch with your intuitive guidance system. And so walking through the world becomes really easy now because you're like, should I do this? No. Okay, cool. I won't. And then you move on. And so you're following this message of your higher path rather than kind of stumbling around doing what your ego thinks you should do. That's a beautiful way to describe it. I think Mm. that's incredible because I do talk a lot about intuition and inner wisdom. And Mm. I say all the time, like it lives in your body, you'll feel it. Like, Mm. and I also have used that example of like your intuition. There's Mm. like a dial. It's like a radio station. Like you can have it turned down or you can have it turned way up, but it's never broken. Like, cause I hear people all the time say like, I'm not very intuitive. I'm not an intuitive person. And I think how you described it as like embodiment work is the work that helps to turn up that dial, like have that sensitivity up so you can hear it. And when you said like 
the dial being turned down comes from ignoring your body and ignoring your intuitive nudges and hints. Mm-hmm. When you said ignoring the need to go to the bathroom because you're busy. I felt that on like a cellular level. There has been so many times that I have needed to pee and I have for God knows why, just because I was like, I'm too busy to pee. I'm going to hold it. Yeah. And to the point where I have, I kid you not, I've been like on my laptop doing something, standing up, like doing a, like, you know, the, the pee dance going like, I'll just, I'll just finish this sentence and then I'll go. And it's like, bro, just go to the toilet, like, or go eat. It's not, you can't prioritize everything Mm. before your natural bodily functions and needs. And it's so insane to me to think about how disconnected we have become and that that's almost encouraged subconsciously. Cause I don't think anyone's saying like, don't pee, hustle. Like, (laughs) I think it's just like, we've We've oh, that's true. Actually, yes, I think there's so many reasons why you know it happens and it's in our life and yeah, yeah. It's just mind blowing. Like the more we talk, we're talking about this, the more I'm kind of looking at my life and looking mm-hmm. at like you just said with like bosses like saying yeah. not to go to the bathroom. Oh my god, it just brought up. I saw this video the other day. This is a tangent, mm-hmm. and it was this woman. And her friend was recording her on the phone um, to her boss and she had taken a mental health day. She'd mm. taken a sick day. She was entitled to, you know, her sick days. Yeah. She took a sick a mental health day because she'd been having a rough month. You know, she didn't go into why, but she just said. Mm. Her boss called her and was saying something like, I remember initially my response was like, oh, wow, she's so rude. Why is she talking to her boss like that? Because she was going, I'm entitled to my sick day. I'm having a mental health day. You know, I'm really sorry. Like, and Mm -hmm. the boss was going, well, you don't sound sick. And like, this is unacceptable Mm -hmm. because you've had three sick days in four months. You've taken three sick days in four months. And that was when I had this moment of like, oh my God, that's not like my initial reaction was that kind of, I don't want to say ego, but I think just that conditioned response. Capitalism. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's the internalized capitalism voice of going, just go to yeah. work. My God, suck it up. And then hearing yeah. that she had taken like f- that, this was this whole kerfuffle over the fact that she'd had three sick days within a span of four yeah. whole months. I was mm. like, Oh my gosh. Like, it just put it into perspective and it shouldn't have taken that, but it did. And I think, and she quit, bless her. This woman quit on the phone and was like, well, I don't want to work in a place that doesn't, you know, respect. respect." Yeah. And I think Mm. that's such a shift because there have been times, and I know so many people will be able to relate that they've gone to work completely distraught, having gone through a family grievance or something horrible Mm -hmm. in their personal life, but feeling like they're not Mm -hmm. entitled to have the time off to process that. Or, you know, like you said before of like going to work and and working at the same capacity, even when you're bleeding, like as a Mm -hmm. person with a menstrual cycle, Mm -hmm. it's almost like you're, well, suck it up. Like, yeah. You know, and and I feel like there was this culture for a long time, I'm sure it's still present of like, you know, 
I do everything you do, but I do it while bleeding. But even <laughs> though that's kind of an empowering narrative, it's in a disempowering context. No, it's like, <laughs> I mean, leave me alone and let me just sleep for a couple of days. Like, yes, 100%. And yeah. this embodiment work uh, goes hand in hand with anti-capitalist work because embodiment work is about living cyclically. It's about honouring the body mm. over the mind and the capitalist work is obviously highly different. It's, yeah, it's like it's a great example that you said about listening and having that internalized capitalism voice being like, just go to work. I'm sure we've yes. all been there. Like just, I had to do it. Why don't you have to do it? Mm. The thing is that you shouldn't have have to do it. You shouldn't have to go and put your body and your mental health on the line so that you can pay your rent. That's not a society that I want to subscribe to. And it's one that I'm actively trying to move out of. And I've shared a similar experience. I have had lots of mental health struggle in the past and having to rock up to work and pretend that, you know, I'm not focusing on my survival. Mm. It's just, you know, that's why capitalism, it doesn't work for everyone. I had one of my friends a while ago say to me, you know, I know capitalist, capitalism isn't for everyone, but it works for me. And I thought, of course it works for you. You're a white, able-bodied woman who's very intelligent and very smart. Mm. It doesn't work for everyone else. And that's the issue. If you care about equity, if you care about including people who can't function at the same rate as you, then you should care about this work because it's not accessible to everyone. But yeah, that's the point that we said before, you know, oh, it works for me. So, you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> the system's pretty sweet yeah. for me, so I'm not going to bother changing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We yeah. want to shift something where we have the power dynamic in place. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. This is so fascinating. I feel like we could talk about this forever. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know, so obviously embodiment work is the key mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. But I'd be interested to know, you said you're actively trying to move out of the capitalist system what does that look like because I know there's probably a bunch of people listening to this right now going okay we know that maybe capitalism is not the vibe we don't we're not messing with that anymore but what now you recommended the book that I'll put in the show notes Mm -hmm. but from your understanding what does moving out of that system and moving into the feminine economy mm. look like what is a feminine economy how how do we get there like how do we get there oh my tell God. me how to get there <laughs> all, I just want to preface by saying if I had the answer to not capitalism I would be rich so these are like yes musings you know <laughs> as I mentioned um yeah Jennifer Embrist is a really really great um resource here but mm. for me what I'm actively trying to do is um focus on being focus on not having my number one priority be my business and my profit Mm. I want to look at this piece of the pie and make sure okay connection family joy Mm. um exercise like are they all equal and my job is like one you know it's my passion I love it this is the work that gets me out of bed every day but is my life you know equal and are my big business practices ethical? Am I hiring people at a live, not only a livable wage, but at a wage that they can thrive at and at a wage that I would be proud myself to earn? Um, am I making sure that I have done my work as a white woman? Am I making sure that I've looked at my internalized misogyny? Am I looking at how the patriarchy has affected the way that I think about other women? What opportunities can I give people who this work isn't accessible to? So I've had a conversation only recently to a client who said, 
you know, thank you for offering the $55 price point for this week because I just launched and I did it at half price. She said, I wouldn't have been able to get into it without that price point. Mm. And I said, thank you for being really vulnerable. This to me says this needs to be something I have longer term, an yeah. acceptable price point for someone. And just looking at reviewing your business, okay, how can I make sure that I'm looked after first and foremost because you can't give from an empty cup? You know, we're not in that spiritual lingo of making sure that we're poor so everyone else is not poor. That's not what it is. But it's about saying, where can I give? Where do I have capacity to share? How can I distribute my resources so that other people who don't have the same opportunities as me can benefit? So that's where I'm at at the moment. And also just in terms of like if you can afford to shop ethically and sustainable with your clothes and, you know, all those things, they're really really great um tips as well but I guess it's just about taking inventory of your practices and reviewing them with a critical lens like can I do this better is there another way to do this is this harmful to someone that doesn't have a lived experience like me um and just moving through those questions and understanding that it's okay you know wherever you're starting is okay there's no blame there's no guilt we're just always looking to do better where we can yeah I love that I, there's an Oprah quote that I hold very dear and it's like, when you know better, you do better. Yes. And she explains it in the sense of like, instead of beating yourself up about how you acted in the past or how you, you know, what practices you had previously that maybe you're now looking at going, well, that's not what I want to, you know, like instead of, I guess, looking at your current reality and maybe your past reality and going, Oh my God, I, I fucked up. Like every, yeah. I'm not doing anything right. And it, and yeah. it's, it's instead of doing that, just having the compassion of going, okay, I didn't know any better. I was doing the best yeah. that I could with what I had. I'm going to have the compassion to forgive myself for that and do better. What is a 100%. problem is knowing better. And I think mm-hmm. consciously being what you mm-hmm. said, something so beautifully willful ignorance of like just being like choosing to not do better. Like if you have the capacity to do better, you know, with the knowledge Mm. and you choose Mm. not to, I think that's where it's, that's the only time there's a, you know, quote unquote problem. Yes. And I think maybe that's the reason so many people are afraid to dive into this kind of work because they want to get it right Mm -hmm. and have been getting it right. But that's not the point. The point is to. Yeah just continue to do better. There's no right. It's just continue to do the best that you can with the knowledge and resources you have. I feel anyway. Yeah. 100%. I think remove the expectation that you're going to be perfect and expect that you're going to fuck up because that gives you some room. You, You know, it's like, it's not going to be perfect. And I've seen a lot of people like TikTok is so funny because it's this socialist policing machine sometimes where someone will comment something and they're like oh that's like racist blah 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 blah. cancel culture so toxic it stops people from trying like you can educate someone in a really beautiful way and say hey I noticed this this and this um Mm. I've heard these things how do you feel about that having that open conversation with people rather than telling them that they're bad people Brene Brown says like we don't instigate change through shame that's just not how it works so if your goal is to improve the world and to do better then let's just remove that shame piece altogether and just you know put one foot forward and see how you go 
I love that. I think that's so important. I did, speaking of academic and university, I did a whole paper on cancel culture. I did a media degree and I did a whole paper on how like, like discussing whether it's a, it's a mode or method of social justice, or if it's just people taking matters into their own hands as if they are some authority on what's right and what's wrong and I think it's so important that you said that cancel culture scares people from getting it wrong because we've been vilified people are vilifying individuals Mm -hmm. for getting it wrong rather than educating and I, I do think there are definitely groups and people out there who are know they're doing the wrong thing Mm. and I think that's a different that's a different kettle of fish but I think (laughs) I think there's definitely people who have this ignorance because of you know varying circumstances and it's not your authority to jump down their throat and Mm -hmm. tell them that they're wrong and because they're wrong they're Mm -hmm. a bad person (laughs) like you being wrong doesn't make you a bad person just like you being right doesn't make you a saint yes yeah and as I said like I sit here now fully owning the fact that I made a lot of mistakes before I got to this point like Mm. I'll put my hand up and tell you that like it does you don't start out being full of knowledge you know you just as I said it just starts somewhere that's why yeah cancel culture is (laughs) an interesting topic it's just so funny because it doesn't help anything at all it just helps boost people's ego so yeah um, yeah I completely agree yeah (laughs) that's a tangent we could probably talk about for ages as well But thank you so much. I really, this has been so eye-opening and I feel like there's so many more layers. This is just like mm-hmm. a scratching of the surface. Mm-hmm. And I'd encourage anyone who has taken some form of value from this conversation to connect with Ella, your programs, but also even just your social media, like I find such value in following you and and the content that you put out. So I, I would highly recommend it. And of course we will share the resources that we spoke about in the show notes. So everyone can, can have a look at that, mm. but I'm just so grateful for you for sharing all of this very vulnerably and just really breaking it down in a digestible way, because I feel like this is such a dense, you know, <laughs> big, <laughs> massive topic. And I think yeah. it can feel very overwhelming. And I think that's mm-hmm. where I guess a bit of I would say like cognitive dissonance comes in of like, oh, I'm just not going to look at it because it scares me. (laughs) But thank you for having the conversations that you're having and this conversation in particular. And I just would love for you to share how people can work with you. I know you said you have your one-on-one containers. What are some of the ways people can work with you? What offers do you have at the moment? Yeah, definitely. So... I've just launched my single sessions one yeah one-to-one single sessions so they're in my bio at the moment I'm still building my website so I just have my Calendly link that you can book through but I encourage people if they have any questions just to send me a DM and we can just chat about it but I have on my highlight like what that looks like I'm also at the moment working on a one-to-one program which will be probably a three-month container where we can look at the things like the influence of capitalism and patriarchy and um, internalized misogyny but also 
also really building that intuitive guidance system that we were speaking on, tapping into our cyclical wisdom, um, magnetism, pleasure, all that kind of things. Uh, so that's in the works at the moment. But yeah, definitely follow me on Instagram. Um, I'll you have that, so <laughs> that's all good. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much everything at the moment. I'd encourage you if you're feeling drawn or have any questions, just to send me a DM. I'm pretty responsive on there. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I'm so, so grateful for this conversation. I really like it's opened my mind and heart and just like given so many different beautiful perspective shifts and nuggets of wisdom that I know that I can't be the only one. (laughs) So I'm so excited for everyone listening to experience this. And I'd love to talk to you about this further. And maybe we have another (laughs) interview down the line, because I really think that yeah, this is just the beginning of a very important conversation. Um, And thank you for taking the time to dive in. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. I would definitely love to come back for another one. I love talking about internalized capitalism. I leaped for joy when you asked me. Oh, amazing. (laughs) I love hearing you talk about it. So that's a match made in heaven. I'm so excited. (laughs) If this episode has served you in any way, I invite you to leave a review of this podcast. Please also share this episode with your friends on social media and don't forget to tag me at Jess underscore Carreri on Instagram. I love seeing where you guys are listening from, what episodes you're loving and your main takeaways. In doing all of this, you will not only be making my day, but also helping me get this podcast out to embolden as many people as possible. I'm so grateful for your love, support, and for you taking the time to be with me today. I will see you so soon in the next episode of Embolden the Podcast.